Welcome back to the Electrify podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, North America's largest EV festival coming to a major city near you. What's up, Joe? Welcome back to the Electrify <laughs> News podcast. I got to make you laugh every time. Every time. I but like I should know it's coming by now and I just still don't like it just still gets me every time like there, he's gonna do something weird I know he's gonna do something weird it's I'm not well, prepared it's just like the, it's just the dive right and the problem is is, is every you know they, they see us hop in on the podcast but we have this like moment of just like staring at each other deeply in each other's eyes like we're about to talk about like while we're counting it down I know it. it's gonna yeah. happen so anyway so well, we got a lot to cover yeah we do and I mean like I, I can't believe I haven't talked to you since Friday, but like apparently there's robots and the Cybertruck can float now. <laughs> well, I mean, and again, and they're going to be like, and they'll have Twitter built into them now, apparently, or something. I don't know. I mean, yeah. What, oh, what, <laughs> it just gets worse and worse, man. Like, I know that we're an electric car show, so we need to acknowledge the importance of Tesla in this field because Tesla is still the 800 pound gorilla in the room. But yeah. like, you know, when when we're no longer talking about new vehicles and products coming out and updates and we start talking about, you know, humanoid robots and AI yeah. and, you know, Ukrainian peace deals, it, it gets oh, kind of hard man. to work that into a podcast about electric cars. Well, there's just a lot of noise that goes along with all things. Again, anything Tesla related is Elon related. And then along with that comes a lot of other conversation around various topics right um and i think that that's maybe over time that will just become what i think a lot of people have expected is that that noise will deter people you know and as much as the 800 pound grill in the room there might be people who be like you know what i don't want all the drama that goes along with buying a particular car you know? Yeah, just, no, and and that's real. And you know, the, now it, it just gets worse and worse, right? But I think there was a time maybe in the 30s or 40s or 50s where this was a thing with Henry Ford, right? Where mm. he was doing well, some questionable stuff in Brazil and you know, maybe he was throwing some some technical support and product support at the wrong guys over in Europe for a while. You, you know, it, it's it's a thing. Well, again, per, the personalities of people that grow these companies to the size that they get to, that transform industry, that do all these things. I mean, they are, you know, dynamic people. And along with that comes a lot of, um, dare, you know, let's just say drama and entertainment. I mean, I don't know. I, I try to avoid it at all costs. I mean, I think, I think the practical conversation around some of the things that are decided around for these you know, products, like, again, we kind of dove right in on Tesla sort of like haphazardly, but I mean, they just announced that they're going to be removing all their exterior vehicle sensors and they're going to be relying solely on their camera vision platform. And I'm thinking that doesn't sound like a good idea, but you know, maybe there's some magical engineering going on behind the scenes. But if you look at the track record of things, I think this is maybe, you know, something that still needs to have some explanation to it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I've driven in whiteout conditions and heavy rains and fogs and things like that, where I couldn't see like as much as I would have liked to. Yeah. And the idea that, you know, we've got this car that has superpowers that can see through all those things and see in the dark and see at night, but we're just going to turn all that off. Right. Or, or better yet, it's like, you know what can see through all that? Like radar and LIDAR are really good at that. And instead, we're just going to use the cameras. No, I think that's there's a, a lot really of- good point. So yeah. there was a 
there was a company that was supplying the LIDAR and the radar stuff to a bunch of these uh, automotive companies. Um, Luminar, I believe, was the name of the, the company. So I, I had to do some little tippy typey Googling. And they were supplying it for Volvo and for, uh, you know, now obviously Geely and Polestar and all the, the all the associated companies. And they were also supplying Tesla. And I wonder if the inability to get an exclusive deal um, kind of soured Tesla to that, or if there's something something going on in the background there that we might not be aware of. It, well, again, Tesla has proven that they love to own their ecosystem. And this might just be one more example of them saying, we want to do it our way, whether, whether or not that means the best way from an engineering perspective. Again, I'm spe- we're all speculating right now. This, this announcement happened this morning. You know, I, I mean, from what I've read. So I, uh, you know, it, it's it's dra- dra- more drama, man. I mean, like, it's more drama. It's more drama. Say, I'm happy my vehicle still has external sensors that will allow it to detect if there's a curb nearby. <laughs> well, but that's the thing, right? Like, y- if you have an existing Tesla that has the radar and the LIDAR and everything else, it's not like they're taking this out from future models. The way that I read the the announcement, they're going to take it out of yours. Yeah, they're going to drop yeah drop connectivity to it in the same way they did with radar inside of you know vehicles that have radar installed that we're using it for autopilot you know technology or whatever. So it, yeah, it, it it's interesting because they just sort of keep peeling back on you know what you could argue it provides redundancy, you could argue it provides better functionality, and they keep peeling back on some of these elements. Um, and this one's important, you know, when it comes to ensuring you're driving in such a way that one comment was made by, by someone I read on social media. They said something effect of, okay, fine. Let's say we're using cameras and, and the camera you pull up and it saw something, but it doesn't have a direct line of sight off the front bumper. It's using what it saw when it pulled in and something pulls in in front of you or I don't know, a dog is in front of your car and it doesn't sense it. And you just pull out because the sensor is not there. It's using camera data off of when you pulled in, you know, to a parking spot, for example, that doesn't have a curb in front of it. I mean, all, all kinds of like fringe use cases. Right. And well, but, I, I think it goes a step further than that, right? Because yeah, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, that that is certainly a concern, and how good these things are a concern. And, and, and one anecdotal example, yeah, sure, sure. But I mean, let's take it a let's come at it from a different way, from a consumer point of view. It, you know, isn't it a little bit like buying a car with leather seats and then taking it to the dealer, and they go, "Yeah, we've decided not to do leather anymore, so we took it out. Here's your cloth seats." There's that, uh, or saying, you know, it's like the software subscription to have, you know, seat heaters, um, or, Hey, uh, we, you know, our data shows that the passengers only move the lumbar support maybe once or twice. And then it never gets moved again. We're just going to remove that. It's, it's like, well, but what if I sell my car one day to someone who wants to adjust the lumbar support when they buy it, you know, why, well, but, why, but why even worse than that? that yeah. Like what? It, I don't know. I, I just, I just can't imagine like, do you get a refund or, you know, some kind of store credit for buying this thing that they're not going to support anymore? Do you, do you get a shirt or something? <laughs> I think what you get is the ability to complain <laughs> on social media. And then it's, it's very Henry Ford of like, you can have any color as long as it's black. You know, I think that it's just getting to that point where they're kind of like, sorry, this is what we yeah, want to do. They're getting there. I, I just like, I'd love to see like what, you know, remember the, the old t-shirts of like, I, I bought a Tesla with radar and now all I got is this lazy t-shirt. 
<laughs> well, I mean, there there are going to be people that are genuinely, you know, there's obviously people questioning it. There's going to be people that then might be genuinely frustrated by what the results look like. But again, back to the conversation of like, you know, we, like whatever the engineering is, if they're saying they've proven something out in testing that they want to bring to market, that they're confident provides a similar or better functionality, and they can then say, hey, this also allows us to not have all these various other components inside the car. We're, we're leveraging other systems that are, you know, arguably more cost effective or simple, but the problem is the price of the car just keeps going up and the parts that are in it keep going down, which I'm kind of looking back going, yeah, I'm not, that's not passing the smell test as a consumer, but, but look at it another way. Like you're, you're a smart guy. You understand engineering and marketing and you know, how businesses work, you're a business owner yourself. You know, I think there's a lot of early adopters that are smart people that understand this is a technology company. They understand this idea of constant R&D and sending out beta testers and things like that and, and over the air updates and, and, and things of that nature. As these guys start selling hundreds and hundreds of thousands of these things every quarter, their last quarter, they did almost 340,000 or over 340,000 deliveries. Yeah. You're talking about a mainstream audience that you know, they buy a yeah, MacBook. They, they, they aren't as forgiving. Yeah. They aren't as forgiving or, or understanding. And I think it's just yeah. a question of like, when you leave the enthusiast market, they don't care anymore. You know, like the, I, I, we had several customers that bought, you know, the, um, the carbon brake package just because it was the most expensive thing. When I was, at, you know, when I was in Mercedes, they, they would just, right. it's the most expensive thing that must be the best. And then they would bitch and moan that it made noise. And it's like, well, yeah, it's because of this. Race and then race, they said, yeah, that's what they do. Oh, but yeah. I thought they were supposed to be better. And it's like, well, they are better on a racetrack. Yeah, stop, yeah, stopping you. They're phenomenal. Uh, but if you're looking for an aesthetic, whether it's visually or you know, visual or you know, auditory, not for you. You just wanted the cool caliper color. That's that's more your speed. Yeah. That's it. That's exactly right. So, and I think this is going to be, you know, I think it's, it's one thing to say of that about somebody in a Porsche 911 turbo. It's another thing to say that about somebody who's effectively buying a Camry. And when you're looking at like a high end Camry limited is almost 50 grand and a Tesla model three is right around 50 grand. Yeah. These are comparable products. And, and yeah, that customer is going to expect matter. Yeah. Yeah. And if you tell them it's electric and it doesn't need oil changes, all that means to them is cool. I never have to take it in because I only take it in for oil changes now. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I think that, uh, there's, you know, people, I, I respect and understand the idea of trying to simplify where possible. I think it's important. Um, and absolutely, you know, from a, from a customer experience perspective, it's just, you know, can you make it simple and still functional? in a way that is still safe and those types of, you know, and, and provide value and benefit to the, to the customer. Um, they have a lot, they being Tesla have a lot of information related to how people have been using their vehicles. They're, you know, making some of these decisions in a way that I think will raise eyebrows and we'll just see how it plays out. It's, it's not that it's always written in granite, you know, when enough people will respond to a decision made by Elon and, you know, some of the engineers are saying, he said, what on Twitter, we're doing what now? You know, so there, there have been some. It floats time. now. Exactly. Yeah, the Cybertruck is supposed to be a boat or something. Okay, that's great. I think that we'll if there's enough people that respond saying, you know, hey, we don't understand, or we think we think there's value in these in these elements that you're t- saying you're going to remove. Even things like when they said we're not shipping with a mobile connector, uh, various little things like that. I think we're still going to see, you know, um, 
you know, Tesla do what they do based on things that are either planned or unplanned, however Elon wants to do it. Uh, this is one of those ones where it just kind of came out of left field. And it's to your point, it's not just about new vehicles. It's also about existing vehicles and how they're going to leverage the technology in those existing vehicles based on a future software update and things like that. So there's just questions uh, from owners. And it's I think that there's just yeah. no good answers right now. So. I had this conversation and, and I don't know, I mean, we might have to edit this out because it doesn't make a ton of sense, but I, I feel like it's connected. Do you, I know, you know, this guy, this is a guy, uh, his name is from a company called Escalant that they do like, um, you know, market survey research and all that. And I was hanging out with him. Uh, actually, Brandon and I, your, your, uh, your data guy, Brandon and I were hanging out with this, with this guy. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about plug share and plug share is, you know, they, basically you can go in there and whenever you find a charging station, you can put it in. And and one of the things that I think makes that real, real sketchy is that like, if I just decide, yeah, you can come plug into the, my, you know, the wall of my outhouse. I now yeah. have a charging station on plug share, yeah. you know, and, and there's not a real good way to, you know, to, to filter out the nonsense from the actual good charging stations. But if you're somebody who is, a surface level type of thinker or you like to show people on the map look how many charging stations you have and access to it's yeah. really strong for that because you see just a billion places that will allow you to plug into the wall so i i, I said to brandon i was like dude open up chargeway walk over there I, and i handed him my phone i was like take my phone put chargeway in there walk up to him and show it to him and, and he's like so he comes back and he goes, oh, you know, yeah, he says he's already seen it. He knows Matt. He's talked to him and all these different things. And I was trying to have this conversation with him later. And I was like, you know, I, I don't understand why, why you're still using plug share. And, you know, he's like, oh, it shows this. It shows that. And I know how to read that and this and that. And then he made his he made the comment of, you know, but it's funny because my dad bought an EV and I was mm-hmm. trying to explain to him how to use it and how to, no, 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 you can't use the chat about this and that. And after about 10 minutes, I just gave up and I said, you know what, dad, download Chargeway. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I've talked to, to, to and, um, and we, and we, you know, again, I, I think that, that's just another good example of there are people that have been doing this for a long time that understand it really well. And they understand how to weed through the chaos and, average kind of like our conversation we just had about what you know average consumers expect from the vehicle they buy is you you can't anticipate they're going to want to dig in and be like an early adopter and answer all these questions for themselves based on information that's a little bit just confusing right and And, and to me that was the point that i was trying to make exactly that was like somebody who's been with tesla since the beginning who's been an enthusiast who was has you know was there when the model s came out and was you know kind of you know the revenge of the electric car kind of fanboys like like i am like you are you know we're all excited about these products like we'll go through the chaos we'll weed through the chaos to figure out what's going on because we know what we're getting yeah you know my father-in-law is not going to do that my wife is not (laughs) going to do that not going to do that yeah dad is not going to do that and you know that's kind of, I think, one of the most important things that, you know, one of the most important aspects of, of this consumer adoption of EVs that at Electrify Expo and the live events that we do, we really need to get aggressive with in terms of like explaining to people what are some of the ways to interact with this car and interact with this new fuel type in a way yeah. that's going to make this all make sense. Because it if you it doesn't matter if you put them in the best, you know, the finest Tesla Model S plaid, you know, $150,000 car. If 
you know, they go home that night and turn it on the next day and it says, boom, you no longer have power seats. They're going to be really upset and they're not going to appreciate the fact that like, you know, this simplification has enabled them to, uh, you know, get an extra six months of wear life out of their power seat motors. Cause that's, I mean, we're, we're joking about that to people who have not heard about that. You think we're joking, but there was actually an update that for Tesla owners that said, Hey, you're using your power seats too much. We're going to disable it now. (laughs) This is a valid concern. There are some weird ways that the software can get into how your, you know, how your experience of owning your car will work. And again, and and legacy OEMs have already tried to test this, test the waters on this for, Hey, you can, have a monthly software subscription to having seat heaters, you know, and, and people are kind of like, but in the past I just bought the car and when the seat heater was in it, I just had at my disposal the option to use it whenever I chose. Why on earth do I have to now subscribe to something that's built into the car just so you guys can trigger it from a software perspective to make it so I have that, uh, that amenity? That seems like a bunch of extra hoops to jump through or it's just a bunch of extra ways to get nickels and dimes out of customers. And that's that was kind of the gut reaction. And I think most people, regardless of OEM, are going to have that response, which is, I bought the product, just let me enjoy the product, you know? And Yeah, it goes back to know. that whole movement of like mobility as a service. And there's a whole yeah. kind of subset of people who say, you know, in the future, nobody's going to own cars or bicycles. You're just going to rent them for the four miles that it takes to get to work. And like, yeah, yeah maybe that's true. I think maybe, maybe a lot of people will do that. And then in certain settings, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. In certain settings, it makes perfect sense. And I will have a car and I will probably have two cars and then I'll have a project car and I will have (laughs) all kinds of nonsense. And I will have a riding lawnmower for my one eighth of an acre lot because I'm allowed to have a riding lawnmower. (laughs) Well, and again, we, we, we can't apply like oftentimes we'll hear people say, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about you know the, the, the federal infrastructure that's being rolled out right now, and the state plans have been filed for the you know, for the NEVI, uh, you know, uh, filings for infrastructure. And we'll oftentimes hear the commentary, you know, either at I was at a conference yesterday uh, where some of this came up, where the casual response is, you know, this is a lot of effort. But on, on the end of the day, people just charge it home. They just charge it home. It's so easy. They just charge it home. That's what I've been doing for five or ten years, whatever it is. And I'll say that's true for fifty percent ish of the United States as an example for our country is only half of residents in the U S actually have that option. The other half still have to go find their fuel. So we can't just, you know, make this blanket statement around. It's just so easy. You just fill up at home when half of the people that are going to need to still have an option to say, I want to have a car maybe, and not just rent something or, you know, have a mobility as a service. They have to understand how it works for them. And so it's, It's hard, right? Because everybody believes that their experience is the average experience or the typical experience. Right. And, and, and appreciating that there are people um, that do not operate like you do. I think that one of the things that, I mean, owning and driving electric cars for 10 years, the thing that I've, I've come to appreciate greatly is that, yes, we do fill up at home 95% of the time. And, and for those who have that option, it's it's a phenomenal convenience. It's and it really either oh, yeah. you're talking dollars and cents or if you're talking just owning and operating your car. It's an amazing convenience. No, it's and like that, having a gas car where the gas ferry comes in overnight and tops you off every night. Yeah, and and that's phenomenal. But having the the awareness of saying as much as I might be living and enjoying that immensely, I still need to respect the fact that my living situation is not is not representative of everyone. 
And so then respecting the place that other people might be coming from saying, hey, I, I hear you talking and that sounds fantastic, but I've been street parking in my neighborhood because we live in a house that was built in you know 1905 and it didn't have a garage. 1896. Or yeah, or your house, for example. Yeah. And and it and it's, you know, and hearing them say, yeah, that's great for you, but I, I street park. You know, and so I but I have a single family home, but I have to street park. You know, and so just understanding how to ensure that we're not, you know, again, making blanket statements around, you know, what user experience looks like. Um, and ensuring that we're being mindful of how the solutions we're talking about bringing to market, they accommodate everybody and again this, this gets to a, you know an equity conversation of how does this really support all you know car shoppers and drivers right it's not just for a particular you know use case so um it's it's a complicated conversation again the conversation i was at yesterday it was it was a lot of that was it was purely about charging and how do we talk about it how does it work um what how was that conference uh it's it's through a group called charin and they are again they're a, a non-profit i'm 95% sure they're non-profit but they have a variety of different you know partners and and, and members so <laughs> they're not non-profit they don't make a lot <laughs> they don't make a lot uh but but what they bring to the table is every stakeholder that is in this conversation around what we're talking about with charging which is automakers um you're talking about charging networks you're talking about policymakers regulators uh utilities uh as an example and really having a conversation around how are we collaborating and how are we doing this you know together in a way that makes sense um and at the end of the day, there was an opportunity to speak about, you know, what's on your mind based on what you've heard today. And one, and I, the comment I made at the end of the day, uh, when there was an opportunity, was to say, we have a lot of incredibly intelligent people in this room that are making this technology possible, and that has continued to accelerate. That we're getting that done faster, which is great. At the same time, we need to be mindful of what we're trying to get to and what we're asking the public to buy into, and how do we communicate that. Um, and because the technology is, is steeped in the engineering, but we need to still have that conversation around, are, is, every, is every driver going to become an engineer or do they need to understand how it just works for them? And there's still a lot of area of complication. Back to your comment about the conversation you had with, you know, with Casey and, and about his, his dad is you look at something and if it face value is presented in a way that's meant to say, seem great and simple, but in reality, there's a lot of information behind the scenes you need to navigate we need to be very mindful of the fact that we do not have a simple approach uh, that works for everyone equally the same way. And it's, it's going to require a lot of time and a lot of education. So what's that famous statement from the, uh, from the national parks that there's a significant overlap between the smartest bears and the dumbest humans. Yeah, and, 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 and whoever's holding the, holding the sandwich at the end, right? You know, so. Whoever's holding the sandwich at the end. But it, it, yeah. it's a legitimate thing, right? Like, you know, not everybody's going to understand 350 kilowatt charging or whatever. I, mean, I, I don't even care. Like, I, at this point, I'm so steeped in the chargeway propaganda that I'm just like, what is that, a level five? I, I don't even I don't even know how to talk about it in terms of watts and volts anymore. Just like, what is that, but, level six? Let's do it. <laughs> But a good point that was made yesterday at the conversation was just that, like, which one makes it for the best experience for you? And there's, you know, in the background conversation around, well, is that charging station a 400 volt setup? Is it an 800 volt setup to achieve the max kilowatt it's promising? Then how do you pat, you know, match that vehicle and pair that vehicle to the right station so they know what they're going to get in a way that's transparent? You know, these are things that, you know, we we can't expect average people to get into those details when the product they've been using forever is called regular and it's a magic liquid. Yeah, it's you a ma- 
<laughs> that is that is such a good line that like I, I only hear it every six and a half hours, but <laughs> it's yeah. such a good line. Oh, brutal. Well, well okay. so that was you 24 know. minutes of nonsense that we literally didn't plan to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, at, at, at this point, yeah. <laughs> at this point, it's a show about Tesla and charging and how consumers are freaking out because they have this. Uh, it's like people. I don't know if you remember when when the MacBook Pro first came out and like a ton of people bought them because they were on Sex in the City, and like <laughs> you you bought a two thousand dollar machine to go on Facebook and MySpace and like you're you're using one percent of what it can do. And man, I kind of so feel like pretty and cool looking, man. it's so pretty. I'm going to go buy one today. I, my, my MacBook pro, uh, finally died. I had a 2016 MacBook pro and it finally died yesterday. So I'm like in panic mode right now. I, I, I will, I will say there's something to be said about quality products, you know, and I've had, you know, computers over the years. I mean, I've, I've, I've been a Mac guy for a long time and I've had some of them last in a way that, you know, compare it to something came out at the same time that may have been, you know, uh, you know, PC or something Android based, for example. And I mean, yeah, Apple products, they do have longevity to them, you know, and there's, and yeah, there's something and to I, that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So let's, let's move on. Oh, actually, this is actually a good segue. Hang on. This is good. So a lot of those, Apple see what products, I, did there? I like that. I like that. I saw the little winky winky and I was like, the hell is he talking yeah. about? Here it is. <laughs> so a lot of those Apple products are made by Foxconn and Foxconn is oh. actually becoming a huge major player in the EV space. They announced, uh, you know, recently they purchased the Lordstown Motors assembly plant uh, mm-hmm. from Lordstown. And like, I, I, was so sure, I was so sure Lordstown Motors was dead, like dead, dead. Like, and I saw them in Long Beach and they had like the gray truck there. And it was like in this sad little corner with like, there wasn't even anybody there. It literally just had like a, like a eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper on the win- under the windshield wiper that said Lordstown motors. <laughs> well, there's a lot like, of problems with, like, along with that story, right? It was, a, it was a factory that used to produce the J body uh, for GM for, you know, the, the Sunfire and, and the Cavalier yep. and then Evelyn, the Cobalt. Um, and so it was one of those stories. We, of, we like, know a thing or two about those cars on this show. Yeah, we do. That's an OG stuff, but, but that, that speaks to, Oh gosh, this is a great story about how it's going to bring this factory back to life. And it's the promise of electric uh, you know, EVs yeah. and it's the future of what this manufacturing plant can do. And so, you know, yeah, Lordstown has had a bumpy, bumpy ride for where they'd finally gotten to, but the Foxconn element is interesting because you then have this, you know, this very uh, experienced manufacturing partner that understands how to bring product to life in a way that now, granted, we're talking car, car building cars is hard. It's you know, it's, it's always building the, the, cars the, the cliche. is hard. But that I think is something, it, and it's not just that Foxconn got in, engaged with Lordstown. They they're going no. into a variety of different areas, right? The, who's the the other brand that they've now announced they're going to be building? Um, Towards an I, right? Oh, so they announced today that they're going to be building the Indy EV for the Indy, US. Yeah. Be that in twenty twenty three, and that's a low volume. The Lordstown thing. Uh, they're building a supposedly a run of 500 of those for the next uh, for the first quarter of next year, which is not nothing, but it's you know it's nothing. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's like the, that's the allocation that one big Ford dealer will get. But uh, it's still better than zero. 
And I think that to your point, like, I think many people have thought they were not going to get up off the mat, but if they're going to start producing, okay, let's see it, you know, let's see it. Exactly. Right. But, you know, and then there's also Fisker, uh, the Foxconn plant has a contract with Fisker to build that thing, uh, starting next year. So that's going to be really interesting. And then, you know, over in China, or I'm sorry, Taiwan, which like, I don't want to screw that up because that's, that's like, that's like getting North and South Carolina mixed up. That's, there's no bueno. (laughs) No it's like wait there's a new mexico like yeah it's totally different um so you want to be careful with that but yeah so they're they're a taiwanese company and i i dug up an article and like this is this is how embarrassing this is they actually built three uh evs on a bespoke platform and they've been shopping this ability to small kind of boutique automakers to say, Hey, Uh let us build your car on our platform that we developed and it'll have all our infotainment, all our electronics, our, all of our electric motors, and you can drop your own body and interior on it. And you can source all that stuff from everybody. Cause you know, everybody coach building essentially, right? Yeah. Like coach building. And they've put that out there in Taiwan and they've had a bunch of takers and now they've got this new facility uh, in Ohio. They're with the old facility in Ohio, but they just recently bought it. And it seems like that's a business model that's going to work for them. And I think that, uh, I I mean, you can't argue with the fact that maybe they don't have the best pedigree or the, uh, let's say the longest pedigree in automotive as an automotive supplier, but oh, sure. you can't argue with the fact that they've been building, you know, high tech, high quality products for the last 15 years. And and to your point, you know, the the number one premier personal computer, personal device phone. Here's mine right here. Phone maker in the country has been using them for the last 15 years, almost exclusively. And they've done a great job. So I, yeah. I, I honestly think that's probably the best vote of confidence I could say for Lordstown at this point is that Foxconn is building it. Cause I, I don't have a ton of confidence in, in it, the rest of it. Well, well, they were on shaky ground for a long time of just trying to show that they had everything lined up the way that they needed to. And I think that, you know, Fox, Foxconn stepping in in the way that they have, it's proving out that there's still people that see that there's life there. And if the model turns into something along the lines of, we know how to make the underpinnings of bringing an EV platform to market for these companies that are trying to do so. Let's offer them that opportunity. Does it create? Does it create then the opportunity for more startups to say they can come to market with and say we're focusing less about saying we have innovative and new and different technology, but it's more about brand and how our interior design looks and works and the aesthetic of the vehicle. I mean, I don't know, um, but that underpinning better be really good. If we're talking about you know, battery mean, and software, haven't we proven already that consumers either don't know or don't care? Because we've got the VW Golf, the VW Jetta, the Audi A4, the Audi S3, the new Beetle, the Audi TT, uh, the the little SUV Tiguan, maybe, and then the Porsche mm-hmm. Macan all built off essentially the same platform right now. And yeah. not only does nobody know, but nobody seems to care. Well, by by platform, but then there's still that that wiggle room of like what you're doing from a you know from a powertrain perspective. It can differ, obviously. Sure, um, but I mean, I think the same is true of an EV. You can have the dual motor, the three motor, the one motor. Oh, sure. No, I mean, so it's so, it's that, and yeah, it's 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 not as it's not too much of a departure from what people know. And we're getting back into that you know the brand element of like you know what what's under the skin. Does it matter to you, or is it more about how people perceive what you're driving? And Based on what they perceive you're driving, does it actually meet the needs that you have, or is someone saying, "Hey, the next software update is going to remove your sensors"? You know, so 
you know, so in that yeah. sense, you know, it will be interesting to see how far, you know, how from a volume perspective, is this more of kind of testing the waters to say, hey, we've got this bespoke platform that you can leverage to get you where you want to go to come to market. What is the intent of that brand that wants to do that then? Is that they actually want to produce cars? Is that they want to be in the game and maybe get enough brand cash out of their small run that they could be bought out by somebody else? But who would do that if it's just off of Foxconn's platforms? Yeah, you know, it's really kind of hard to say. Um, but I mean, do you remember in the late 90s, early 2000s, Target started reaching out to all these designers to do product design? So they would reach out to like Michael Graves, the architect, to do product design, and Philippa Stark did some luggage, and then they had the Massimo yeah. guy that did a whole bunch of like sporting gear. Massimo, heck yeah. Oh, that was a thing. That was a big deal. Now he's in prison because of the college thing, but we'll talk about that in another show. That's That's not for this show. That's that's yeah, that's after dark. Yeah, that's that's our that's after dark <laughs> Electrify news after dark. After dark. Yeah. All the e news news that you need to survive the mean streets of prison. I don't know. The, yeah, I was gonna say that may not be Adam, e-news. take that out. <laughs> the whole last thirty seconds, get rid of it. Yeah. Anyway. Actually so, so actually don't. But that said, <laughs> you know, that was really difficult to do. But I think if you had a push for that now, if you had a really popular designer or, or artist or musical artist like you know like will i am has become famous for you know really destroying some nice vintage cars he could just you know <laughs> grab a skateboard from from uh foxconn and he could build some kind of four-wheeled monstrosity on that and not have to ruin a nice car it's the the thing it's in theory it sounds amazing to give people that opportunity the thing that comes to my mind immediately is just like safety testing and making sure that whatever we're doing with the skateboard idea can actually be tested appropriately. So that, I mean, we can't just have every weird design under the sun. Like it's like the Homer from the Simpsons. It's like, that's (laughs) like, that's not, we don't need that on the road, you know? So there's a lot of noise in this space, uh, but to the conversation around Foxconn and, and what this could provide is an opportunity for, you know, startups to think they have a unique idea or a new spin on what could be, you know, the next car you buy it's maybe a neat opportunity for them to, you know, leverage what Foxconn is saying they're offering. Um, but, you know, w- we are very early in that conversation to see how that plays We're out. We're very early in that conversation. But, you know, I mean, if if Elon can talk about going to Mars, I think I can talk about, like, sitting down with a stylist at a car dealership, right, and having yeah. them legit just draw something for me, paint something for me, 3d print the body and i can print the body. drive it home yeah. because that seems um, like something that's not too far i mean te- from a purely I mean, from a cost point of view yeah I, I can't swing that but from a purely technological point of view it doesn't feel that far away it no i i, I won't disagree with that at all i mean again at the sema show you'll see 3d printed cars and that was like you know, seven years ago, eight years ago, right? Oh, more than that. Because in 2008, we, in 2008, when I was at Rentec, we had a 3D printed uh, Mercedes GLK. The GLK wasn't out yet. They sent us the file and we 3D printed and it was all glued together. The resin and everything was all glued together. And it wasn't until later that we were able to pull molds off of it, but we just had a 3D printed shell that was a GLK. And, and if you we're talking just purely aesthetics at this point, right? It's we're it's talking purely like, aesthetics, yeah, yeah. And so that's customization, personalization. How many people are in the realm of you know buying a car that want to have that level of personalization? Right? 
there, you know, there's plenty out there, I guess. I mean, this gets into the, the conversation of the tuner world, you know, and, and how people feel about, you know, vehicle customization, whether we're talking small car, truck, you name it. And that's always going to be around people. Again, I've always said a vehicle is an extension of who you are because it helps you actually access the world physically. So yes. your vehicle, yeah, your vehicle is is a, a part of your identity in so many ways. Some people attach themselves very personally to that. Others will say that is literally a thing that gets me from point A to point B, and I couldn't care less how it looks or how people think about it. So that's both bookends of that spectrum of how you know car shoppers and drivers think. So if there's an option, an opportunity to you know have this be that the electrification platform and something that you know Foxconn is developing, or even others might say. We're going to give you this opportunity to be as inventive as you want with what you might end up wanting. You, you might want to drive. You know, it still has to meet you know federal highway standards about how this thing looks. You know, but it can't be a you know you can't be driving around a gigantic boot and try to go through a drive-through and take like an awning off. But hey, it was an electric boot. Like you know, it was, it was an electric boot. So like boot. all I heard was, "Yes, I will be able to buy the Homer soon." Which is all I've yeah. wanted since nineteen. That's the bottom line to this entire conversation: was how do we get to the Homer tomorrow? So, <laughs> long, just from as long as it only has, as long as it you know has some radar or lidar on it, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, if the Foxconn team is listening, it's like, hey, we are excited about what you're going to be doing for electrification. Have you considered the Homer? You know, <laughs> you and considered the Homer. All maybe, right, man. If we got a show there. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, uh, I'm going to see you in 48 hours. We're going to be in Miami on the water. It's it's going to be happening. It's going to be hopping. Uh, I've been watching. I've been watching the weather. Kind of like okay, you know, it's sunny right now. Maybe a chance of Florida humidity, as we're going to call it. Uh, but let's, I look let's like- just say this: we have been lucky so far that we've always yeah. had good weather for Electrify Expos, and uh, you know, I think we're going to have good weather again. I think it's going to. It'll probably rain for 15, 20 minutes, and then it'll stop, and it'll be fine. Well, that's, I mean, now you're now you're describing how Portland used to be. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. You know, that works out. It's going to be fine. And you know what? Oh, Worst oh, case oh, scenario, the food trucks are incredible. Miami's rad. I mean, again, Miami's you, you, rad. Got, you got great food. You got great people. I mean, this is going to be one of the shows that I've been most excited about because it's a nice mix of, again, we've been all over the country with, with the event, but it's that, that mix of water, you know, and, and electrification on water and how that can really kind of open people's eyes to, again, the lifestyle they have for where they live. This is going to be a great exhibition for all that. Yeah, so, and yeah. and I got to tell you, having ridden the I so I rode the Taiga the the Taiga the Taiga Orca Carbon Edition. Okay. I rode that up in Vermont, and it was just incredible. And I was out there. They said, "Okay, you've got twenty minutes." I think I was out there for forty minutes, and I was still <laughs> complaining when I came back. I was like, "Oh, I thought you said I was going to have twenty minutes." They were like, you, "You've been out here for forty minutes," and I was like, "I, I could have spent four hours out there. I was having such a good time." And yeah. just the way that it gets up out of the water, the way that it steers, it's so much more responsive than, you know, than what I remember the old Yamahas and, you know, ski doos or sea doos used to be. So I really think we're going to be blown away by that. Obviously, the flight board is super fun. There's a couple of other electric surfboards that are more traditionally like in the surf that are not hydrofoil. So we'll be playing with all of those. And of course, 25% of ticket sales is going to uh, directly benefit the victims of Hurricane Ian. So if you're looking for something to do. You want to feel good about spending some money on yourself. That's a good way to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that last part because I think it's on everybody's mind still. And it's 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 um, going to be nice. We can we can play a role through the event to, again, support the families that are in need. So it's going to be great. 
100 percent. all right buddy we'll see you there in two days thanks for listening to the electrify podcast brought to you by the creators of electrify expo be sure to catch full video episodes on youtube at electrify tv and follow along on social media for daily clips and more